The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said... Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house. And anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SonsLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. And we're going to be looking a lot at that this morning. So I just want to make you aware, I hope that there will be people who will say, you know what, I'm really not into Sunday school and this, that, and the other, but I'll listen to what you got to say. Because i got to tell you, this is an important subject that we're going to talk about this morning. And it's so important, I'm going to give the whole hour to it, okay? All right, so hang on with me. We're going to get there. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com right now, and you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, and you want to join in on the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the faces made for radio. Scroll down on the right side of the page, SonsofLibertyMedia.com, and uh, right there you will see that we are going live. Just uh, 
you know, blow it up and uh, on whatever device you got, and uh, and you can join us in that. And then click on the icon for the platform that we're on that we're putting that on here. And you can join us in chat. Lots of friends in the chat room. Yes, I forgot to put my glasses on. I was just cleaning. And, um, yeah, and, and these glasses are not for seeing. They're for keeping all this radiation that comes off these screens into my eyeballs. <laughs> to keep them from burning them out, okay? Uh, but I do got them on. In any case, uh, right above that is where you can find Bradley's show from yesterday. And also, he'll be live in this section, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. We're also broadcasting live on Rumble at Sons of, Me- uh, Sons of Liberty Me- yeah. Sons of Liberty Radio Live. <laughs> change your video and the ser- change the search to from videos to channel. Put in Sons of Liberty Radio Live, all one word, and you'll find us right there. The live version should be going. You can click on that if you want to do it. Be sure to subscribe to the channel, too. You'll be notified when uh, when we do go live somehow. I don't know how they do it, but maybe you get an email. I, I just I don't know. Um, also, DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty. And we're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. And we appreciate Michael Roach. You know, he has been so kind. I, I know... I can speak for me, and I'm pretty sure for Bradley, so kind to put our videos up to, you know, we go ahead and I dump my articles over there too, and he's been kind enough to to promote those, and we really appreciate you, Michael, over there at BeforeIt'sNews.com doing that, because, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people I want to correct over there too. <laughs> there's just, there's there's a lot of that. Um, so that's what we're there to do. We're, we're there to, to uh, do those kinds of things, what the Lord has called us to do. Okay, so right above that, on the right side of the page, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, subscribe to our email newsletter. Again, uh, we don't rent your email, sell it, or spam you. And um, you get one email a day that includes the morning show archive. So, you know, you want that today. Maybe you miss it. You oversleep or whatever the case may be. Don't worry about it. We got it archived there. We got it archived all over the Internet <laughs> in various places. Video and podcast will be in that uh, along with links and all the other stuff that we got here. Finally, if you agree with our message, there's a donate button at the top of SonsLibertyMedia.com. Uh, again, we never ask you for money. We just tell you we have needs. And if you agree with our message, you want to support us Man, we're we're very thankful for that, okay? We really are. And then if you'd like to become a monthly partner with us, that's the Son or Daughter of Liberty. That's available uh, also at the top of the page. And then our store is available this week. Again, we're highlighting the You Can Run Winter Caps. Um, again, these are, I call them toboggans down here, down south. They're not really a beanie. I've got a beanie. Uh, that's different than those, a yarmulke, okay? <laughs> it really is. Um and uh, you can wear the winter cap, and I'm telling you what, this thing will keep your head warm. There's no doubt in my mind. I I can hardly bear to wear it. Of course, our winters are not as hard as they are up north and, and other places, but, boy, I can barely wear it, bear to wear it long uh, when I have it on. It is, it is really thick. It's made of good material and all that. You can save 20%, 20%. If you get it before Saturday at midnight by entering the promo code FALL20, that's all one word, FALL, the number 20, at checkout in our store. And uh, so if you've been wanting to pick up one of those, and maybe you get some gifts, get some early gifts, something like that, 20% off, that's a great deal. So uh, check that out in our store. Now, we're going to we're gonna hit some things this morning, and I've, I've got a way I'm going to kind of play this out, okay? And I kind of wish, this is a time where I do wish there were phone lines, because I'm sure there are people... You're going to have questions. Now, I'm going to tell you, I can see the chat, but in talking about what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to be referencing a lot of stuff, so my eyes are not going to be 
looking at the chat as much. Okay, so I apologize in advance if I miss a question or something you want to say. But if you got a question, kind of stick to the topic here. Okay. We at Sons of Liberty, we, we've we've referenced a particular site, and they've had some really good stuff, especially concerning this pandemic and the effects on people, the injuries, the uh, the deaths and things they're doing. They're they're putting out some stuff that a lot of people aren't aren't reporting on. They just aren't putting it out. And so I want to commend them for those good things. You know, when you go to the book of Revelation and Jesus writes to each of the churches, the first thing he does is he looks to the church and he he points out whatever good he can find that they're doing right. Okay? I think there's only one church that, I think that's Laodicea, that he doesn't find something good in. All the other churches, he points to something good. And then if they have something they're in need of repentance of, that they've lost their first love or they've, you know, done whatever the case may be, he says, you need to repent. Be zealous and repent, right? I discipline those I love. And so this is what I want to do. I want to give the good things, and then I want to deal with what I see as a, a major, major... This is such a great error, I just can't let it go. Now, Bradley spoke briefly to this yesterday on his show. He had sent me this, and he says, this is going to jack you up. <laughs> That's his word for, this is going to tick you off, man. And as soon as I saw the title, I said, yeah, this is probably going to be a problem. Jesus repeatedly broke the law and told others to do the same thing. The biblical basis for righteous resistance. Now, as I read over it and I got down a little further, I... I think I understand what the guy is trying to say. He's just in error in what he's saying. And I'm going to show you how that happened, or how I believe it happens, and correct this, okay? There is a biblical basis for righteous resistance. There's no doubt about that. But the claim that Jesus repeatedly broke the law and told others to do the same thing is just as unbiblical as you can be, okay? Well, we're going to walk through this, but what I want to do is I want to kind of start out with something here. Some of you guys, and because I'm going to make reference to it in just a minute, some of you are familiar with the idea of catechisms. Now, as soon as I say that, some people's ears perk up and they go, oh, Rome, this is Roman Catholic, blah, blah, blah. Let's make a distinction here first. The term Catholic just means universal. This is why when you go back in history and you read or you recite the Apostles' Creed, okay, they say, we believe in one holy Catholic church. They're not referencing Rome. They're referencing the universal church that spans tongues, tribes, people, and nations. All those who've been saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they're referencing. Okay? So then you get to the issue to where um, you've got Roman Catholic. Now, that's a whole different thing, okay? So I don't want you to get mixed up here. Churches have had catechisms, and all catechisms, catechisms are are methods of teaching. Now, I'm going to show you this from the New Testament, okay? All right, so let's go over here. I'm just going to bring you over 
to concordance where you can, it's very simple so you can understand this, okay? The Greek word that's used here that we derive catechism from is the Greek word katecheo, okay? Katecheo. Look at how it's defined. Learn exactly by sounds to learn by nuanced repetition to catechize, teaching foundational truths as they relate to progressing in the Christian life. Okay? The prefix kata lends the idea exactly, indicating oral instruction skillfully brought a subject from one level to another to reach precise and growing understanding. Okay? And you can see the term is used in a variety of ways, all in the New Testament. For instance, Luke 1 Verse 4, about the things, quote, you have been taught or you've been instructed in the King James. Okay? Acts 18.25 was instructed in the way. This is this word being used. Okay? And you can see several of these down through here. Uh, Romans 2.18, the things that are essential, being instructed out of the law. So it is a form of instruction that's going on, all right? Now, where do we see some of this at? Well, there's places obviously here, and they're referencing how one's taught. Let me give you a familiar one that you'll, you'll, you'll notice right off the bat. This is from Exodus chapter 12. You remember God is giving the layout here in Egypt for the people of God to uh, set forth the Passover meal, right? So that the death angel passes over them. And he's laid it out. He says, you know, you're supposed to have... And by the way, the pat, this is going to fit right in with what we're talking about here, where Jesus didn't break the law. He really didn't break the law. So we've, we've got Jesus, or we've got Jesus pictured here as the sacrificial lamb. And in fact, or the Passover lamb. In fact, that's the very day that he's put to death is the day of the Passover, He's put to death. He is the Passover lamb. This is when they did it. They did it at the midday and slaughtering all the lambs. And then they go and do all of this stuff. So look at what happens. After he's told them, he's taken a couple of chapters to lay out how to partake of the Passover. And then he comes down in chapter 12 and verse 26 and watch what it happens. And it shall come to pass when your children say unto you, what mean you by this service? In other words, there's a question that's asked. And then there's an answer that's given. Verse 27. That ye shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed the head and worshipped. Okay? So what you've got going on here, this is a simple explanation. There are many of them throughout Scripture, but I'm just kind of giving you this so that we can make reference to things that we're taught here, okay? You've got a question asked by children here, and then you've got an answer provided by the fathers, okay? Now, in the catechisms that we have today, for instance, I'm going to be referencing the, the Westminster Larger Catechism. It's a Protestant um, Presbyterian catechism, okay? And it is to reference Scripture. It is to explain Scripture. It is to do what these children were doing there. The fathers will ask a question, and they will teach their children the answers, Okay, so that they are precise. And I get people all the time say, Tim, you just want to be right. Yep, I do. I do. Is there anybody out there listening to me that wants to be wrong? 
all of us want to be right. Some of us just are willing to uh, engage in debate or discussion in order to make sure we're right or to correct somebody else or to correct ourselves, whichever the case may be. Okay, So just want to lay that out there. Now, the other part that I need to lay out before we get into um, this, this article over at Health Impact News is the idea of sin. Now, a lot of people will say, okay, well, sin is missing the mark. And it is. It is. Let me show you. The Greek word here is hamartia. Okay? And in that, it means missing the mark. You can see it right here. Okay? It's a fault. It's a failure. It's, your, it's guilt. It's a sinful deed. Okay? So I grant that. It is a missing of the mark. And you can see all of the places here. I'll try to have these links up so that you guys, if you want to go back and you want to do your own study, word studies and stuff, you can do that. That's fine. But you can see where it's used. Okay? But what is it to miss the mark? In other words, what is, when we say sin is to miss the mark, what does that mean? What mark are we missing? Well, John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 tells us, Whoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin, or let's insert that, for the missing of the mark is what? The transgression of the law. In other words, you become a lawbreaker. Everybody got that? I want to make sure we, we understand that very clearly. Okay? So when we when we sin, we are not just you know trying to do the right thing and missing the mark. That's not what it is. It is we miss the mark because we are deliberately violating the law. Okay? Okay, so hopefully that's clear. All right, so let's go to this 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 article. Now I gotta tell you. I'm not a big fan of pictures or artist rendition of what people think Jesus is. I think it's if it isn't open idolatry, it borders on it. Or the carved image, you know, the first commandment: "Don't have any other gods before me." The second one's very much like it: "Don't make a carved image for yourself out of anything that is in heaven above, or the earth beneath, or the water under the earth. Don't bow down to them. Don't serve them. For I, the Lord your God, right? So." None of those things, I, I really have a problem with that. Even when I do articles and other things like that, it's like, oh, you know, uh, we're, we're having an issue here. So I'm not going to deal with the, with that, but I am going to deal with what's said here. So let's look at what, what uh, Brian here at Health Impact News, and I hope somebody might share it with him. I've, I've tried to, to send an email, but my emails, I don't know if they're being censored or what. Uh, there's just some weird stuff, Okay. Uh, yeah, you might get another one for this tomorrow, Carol Ann. We're probably going to tap into last day's madness stuff, okay? But I want to get this one out of the way. So John chapter 5 is where he starts off. This is how he starts his uh, his article, and, he, and this is how it reads. John chapter 5, verses 16, 6 through 15. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid... The invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. Remember, this is the guy at the pool of Siloam, right? And there, the, the people believed that there was an angel that would come down and they would stir the water up. And the first ones in, when the, when the angel stirred the water, uh, they, they would be the ones that would be healed. So they've got all of these sickly people 
lying around this pool all the time. And here's this guy. And he says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. No, it doesn't. Nowhere in all of Scripture, which is where the law can be found, can you find that. Nowhere. I mean, they're not thankful in praising God that this man has been healed. They're wanting to get him for their traditions, which is not law. In fact, we're warned about traditions. Over and over in Scripture, we're warned about it. Now, we are told to keep certain traditions. There's no question about that. But the oral traditions that Jesus addressed are much like many of those that came out of the Babylonian Talbot. Matter, matter of fact, many of those things that Jesus said, you've heard, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're a distortion of what the law gave. This is why Jesus, he wasn't given a new law on the, on, in the Sermon on the Mount. He was reciting the old law, and he was bringing it back to its original intent. This is why he would go to the issue of the heart. He'd say, you know, if you look at a woman unless you've committed adultery, if you are angry with your brother without a cause, then you have committed murder. And you go, well, where are you finding that? We'll go back in the Old Testament. For instance, in the murder issues, what are you finding there? How do they determine whether somebody had done premeditated murder? Well, they would look and they would say, oh, well, this guy was talking evil about his friend. He was angry. All these kind of uh, circumstantial evidence would come into play. And what was that demonstrating? It was demonstrating something in his heart was going on that eventually released itself out into the open. As Jesus said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right? Okay. So, the man replies to them, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning. What do we say that was? Now, he just told this guy that he healed to stop sinning. What do we know sinning is? Breaking the law, transgressing the law, right? So all you people out there say, well, Jesus forgave me of my sin. I don't have to worry about the law, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, wait a minute. It says stop sinning. Stop breaking the law. That's what he's telling him. Or something worse may happen to you. No, Jesus didn't do away with the law, people. He didn't do away with the law at all. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now, here's the comments from the writer here. Jesus was a lawbreaker. That's his first comment. I don't even begin to know how a believer says this. I just I don't know how they say it. Unless he's talking about breaking tyrannical laws, laws of men and traditions. But he doesn't really go into saying that. He's just saying he's a lawbreaker. He then says, during the days he lived, only priests were legally allowed to heal anyone. Um, No. No. Priests declared healing. 
They didn't. The, the, the issue wasn't he. I mean, my goodness, that is just. Uh, this is this is ridiculous because you can go all through the Old Testament and you can see where healing was done by the prophets. Elijah, Elisha, many of these guys had healed. So th- this idea, only priests were legally allowed to heal anyone, is just nonsense. I don't even know where he's getting this. Now he does say, declare someone is healed. So when Jesus began his public ministry and arrived, this is the guy's uh, comments, and when he arrived on the scene, he started healing everyone in defiance of the health laws of the day. Okay, so I'm glad that he puts this in, the health laws of the day. Well, this is obviously something that's there in which he is defying the tyrants. Okay, because tyrants make up law unto themselves, and then they put that on somebody else. This is why, um, you know, the reference is, why would you take and put this, this yoke of bondage on us that neither you nor our fathers could bear. Okay? He says, and as we see from the passage in John, or excuse me, he defied these health laws, he also continually broke the laws on the Sabbath when no one was supposed to work. Well, let's talk about that just a moment before we get into the rest of it. And I'm going to reference the, uh, the catechism here. And um, this is from the Westminster Larger Catechism. Now, there's, there's a few questions on the Sabbath. And I think it's important that people understand this because I, I have this all the time. Well, what is work? What is the Sabbath? All these kinds of things. This is question 115. What is the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you'll labor and do all your work. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor uh, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor the cattle, nor a stranger that is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore God blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. All right, So that's the fourth commandment. So then it says, what is required in the fourth commandment? Well, the fourth commandment requireth of all men the sanctifying or keeping holy of God or to God such set times as he hath appointed in his word, expressly one whole day in seven, which was the seventh from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ and the first day of the week ever since. And so to continue to the end of the world, which is the Christian Sabbath and in the New Testament called the Lord's Day. Then we have this question. How is the Sabbath or the Lord's Day to be sanctified or set apart? The Sabbath or Lord's Day is to be sanctified by a holy resting all the day, not only from such works as are at all times sinful, but even from such worldly employments and recreations as are on other days lawful, and making it our delight to spend the whole day or the whole time except so much as of it as is to be taken up in works of necessity and mercy. We'll hit that in just a minute. In the public and private exercises of God's worship, and to that end, we are to prepare our hearts, and with such foresight, diligence, and moderation to dispose and seasonably dispatch our worldly business that we may be the more free and fit for the duties of the day. Then we have this question. Why is the charge of keeping the Sabbath more especially directed to governors of families and other superiors? 
The charge of keeping the Sabbath is more specifically directed to governors of families and other superiors because they are bound not only to keep it themselves, but to see that it be observed by all those that are under their charge, and because they are prone oft-times to hinder them by employments of their own. Then we have this question. What are the sins forbidden in the fourth commandment? The sins forbidden in the fourth commandment are all omissions of the duties required. So there are duties to be performed on the Sabbath. Okay? Um, all, care, all careless, negligent, and unprofitable performing of them, and being weary of them, all profaning the day by idleness, and doing that which is in itself sinful, and by all needless works, words and thoughts about worldly employments and recreations. Then we have this question. What are the reasons annexed to the fourth commandment, the more to enforce it? The reasons annexed to the fourth commandment, the more to enforce it, are taken from the equity of it, God allowing us six days of seven for our own affairs and reserving but one for himself. In these words, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. From God's challenging a special propriety in that day, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord God. From the example of God, who in six days made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. And from that blessing which God put unto that day, not only in sanctifying it to be a day for his service, but in ordaining it to be a means of blessing to us in our sanctifying it, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So, there you go. Right now, there's one final question that is uh, that is asked of this particular commandment. Why is the word "remember" set in the beginning of the fourth commandment? And here's the answer: the word "remember" is set in the beginning of the fourth commandment partly because of the great benefit of the remembering it. We being thereby helped in our preparation to keep it, and in keeping it, better to keep all the rest of the commandments and to continue a thankful remembrance of the two great benefits of creation and redemption, which contain a short abridgment of religion, and partly because we are very ready to forget it, for that there is less light of nature for it, and yet it restraineth our natural liberty in things at other times lawful, that it cometh but once in seven days, and many worldly businesses come between and too often take off our minds from thinking of it, either to prepare for it or to sanctify it, and that Satan, with his instruments, much labor to blot out the glory and even the memory of it to bring in all irreligion and impriety. So what we have here is we've got laid out what, what the Sabbath is to be. Okay? It is to be a day of rest. It is a day that we, we are not engaging you know, all the day long like we do in our worldly affairs throughout the week. In fact, this is the command I was pointing to that when the tyrants take over, like, look, I, there's been some things that Governor McMaster has done here great in the state of South Carolina. He did not have any authority to come in and say, you are an essential business, you're not an essential business. It was a violation of the fourth commandment. You say, how is it a violation of keep the Sabbath day? See, that's this is where we've been dumbed down. We've taken the fourth commandment and we've just said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And that's what people think the, the command is. You can see there's much more to it than that. Six days you shall labor. Work is a good thing. Work is something that God has given us to do. Okay? 
Actually, it is salt. It is, it is the New Testament Sabbath, and that goes back to the eighth day, which is spoken about. And there's, you can read R.J. Rushdoony on this about how the Sabbaths would change. They would be altered as other Sabbaths were observed during the week as well. In fact, you don't have the word Saturday in your Bible at all, nor do you have Sunday. You have a first day of the week. So with that said, and by the way, people have, uh, they were in the chat the other day, and I don't know why they brought up Sabbath, but in any case, they were in there saying, oh, Rome changed this in 366 AD and blah, blah, blah. No, they didn't. It was going on long before that. The New Testament church was always observing Sunday, long before Rome came along, long before Constantine came along. All of the men who came together there at Nicaea were people who were persecuted. They were bishops who had been persecuted throughout the area there, and they, they were the ones who came together, and they were the ones who said, this is the, these are the books that we see that are authoritative. Did they have some quabble over a couple of books? Yeah. But they ultimately came together, and they said, look, this is what we've been using. This is what the church has recognized long before Rome was there, long before Constantine, okay? So if somebody's telling you that stuff, they just haven't done their homework, okay? They just haven't done their homework in that. So let's go back to this article here. The writer says, uh, As we see from the passage in John 5 above, he told others to break the law also. No, he didn't tell them to break the law. He didn't do that. In fact, in fact, listen to this. This is from Matthew 23, okay? And we're going to do, we're going to be taking a look at that in a second. But here's what Jesus had to say. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. In other words, they put themselves up as teachers of the law, the ones who who uphold the law. Okay? Therefore, listen very carefully. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe. Now, that's Jesus talking. He just said, do whatever the Pharisees tell you. Do and observe but do not do according to their deeds. In other words, don't be hypocritical about it. For they say things and do not do them. You get that? So Jesus says, don't be like them. Do what they tell you to do, but don't be like them. Because they'll say, you need to do this, and then they won't do it. Okay, so just throwing it out there. Okay. The writer then goes on and he says, sometimes he knew that an act of healing was going to cause trouble with the authorities. Of course. That's not breaking the law, though. And he told people to keep the fact that he had healed them secret to avoid confrontation with the Pharisee party, the majority ruling party of the day. Well, no, that's not necessarily why he was doing it. That's not why he was doing it at all. What he wanted to do, for instance, let's take the lepers. You remember there are ten lepers. One returns to him. He said, did I not heal ten? You're the only one coming. He's, you know, and he had told them to go to the priest. Why? Because when they went to the priest, the priests were going to find out these guys don't have leprosy anymore, and they're going to go, well, glory to God. Glory to God. And so then when this guy left, he's running around telling everybody, because, I mean, come on, who wouldn't, if you had leprosy, who wouldn't want to go tell people what had happened to you? And tell them about the guy who healed you. But Jesus told him, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Go to the priest. 
See that obedience and how that would work? And because he, he didn't do that, the crowds would swarm in everywhere he go, wanting to get healed, and then he couldn't really go about ministering and doing the things that he needed to do in the area. That's why he told him not to do it. So let's take another example, and the writer gives this one. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy, and here we go. When he saw Jesus, he fell, at his, uh, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man, I'm willing. He said, be clean, and immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of the people came to him and to be healed of their sickness, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. See, it had nothing to do with the Pharisees. That didn't have anything to do with it. It had to do with the crowds would come, and he couldn't get done what he needed to do. The writer writes, The law of Moses only allowed priests to declare a leper clean. And there were specific rituals required of the law in the law of Moses, and that's true. So when Jesus healed this man, he told him not to tell anyone that he was the one who performed the healing. He encouraged him to go present himself to the priest who had legal authority to declare him healed. But the people didn't listen to him because the priests were healing, weren't healing anybody in those days. Some even went to the pagan doctors and spent money to try and buy healing, but that didn't work too well either. And he references what I've referenced before, the, the woman who had the issue of blood. And, you know, it was against the law... Um, the ceremonial law, because it would make one unclean if you had an issue of blood. If you were a woman, it would make you unclean. If you had um, you know, your menstrual period, you were considered unclean, ceremonial unclean at that time, and you were to be even separated there from your husband. But she wasn't supposed to touch him because it would make him ceremonial unclean. So what happens when she touches his garment? Well, she's made instantly well. So it took a lot of courage for this lady to go out and even touch his, his cloak, his garment. And this, this is what we have. This writer says, Jesus broke the law again. No, he didn't. He didn't break the law. How do you break the law? By standing around and somebody touches your, your garment and power goes out of you to heal them. How is that? The woman walked away from this disease that she had where all these doctors had taken her money. Her entire finances were taken. But, friends, Jesus didn't break the law. He didn't break the law. And there were times where Jesus, this is what he says, there were times where Jesus healed people in the presence of the authorities. In direct defiance. And this is why the crowds loved him so much, for he was fearless. Now listen to this one. This is from Luke chapter 13. And on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And he put his hand on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? 
Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he had said this, all his opponents were humiliated because he showed what kind of hypocrites they were. And the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. This time, not only, this is the writer, this time not only did Jesus break their law, and he did break their law. I'm glad he made that mention here. It was their law, but not a breaking of the Sabbath. In fact, what we find when we get to uh, the Sixth Commandment, now this is, again, I'm going to quickly go back to the Catechism. What we find with the Sixth Commandment, which is you shall not kill or you shall not murder is, is a really a proper uh, translation for that instead of kill. Okay, because you can kill, you can engage in killing that is not unlawful. Okay, and there are many instances and that isn't my that isn't my focus this morning. So what's required in the sixth commandment? The sixth commandment requireth all lawful endeavors to preserve our own life and the life of others. That's the positive aspect of you shall not kill. What's forbidden in the sixth commandment? The Sixth Commandment forbiddeth the taking away of our own life or the life of our neighbor unjustly or whatsoever tendeth thereunto. Now he throws that, the catechism throws apart unjustly because obviously we have capital crime. And for those of you who say Jesus did away with the capital crime with the lady who was caught in adultery, blah, 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 go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 2 or 22. And what you'll find in that chapter is if two people are caught, in adultery, and one of them's married, or both of them's married, whatever the case may be, they're to both be brought forth, and they're to both be put to death. Okay? So when you go to the woman who's brought before him, where's the guy at? Second, Jesus was not in, even though he has all authority in heaven and on earth, don't get me wrong, but in the setting as a man, in his ministry, he was not in the position of a magistrate. Therefore, he wasn't rendering any sentencing or carrying out any judgment at that time. This is why tomorrow when we talk about Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and stuff like that, Lord willing, we're going to see that he did come in judgment, and he did judge Israel, just like he said he would in those passages. And that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about today. He's not talking about in our future. He's talking about Israel, and he specifically lays out the time frame of when he's going to do it. Okay? So just so everybody's clear, that's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. But he was not in that capacity as a magistrate to render judgment. Okay? Now, over at Health Impact News, here's what the writer says. And the result of his resistance to Christ and breaking their laws was that people were healed and delivered from their bondage to Satan. Things are no different today. Health is legally defined by medical authorities empowered by the pharmaceutical industry and government health agencies such as the FDA and CDC, both unconstitutional, are the only legal entities allowed to treat and heal people. And they don't do either. They keep them sick. They do not heal them. They don't cure them. The FDA's website has millions of people who have died as a result of taking drugs they have approved. Again, Revelation 18.23, guys. People being deceived by the pharmacy. They're just like the lady who spent all her money over the issue of blood, and she was not healed. Okay? 
Jesus passed on his authority to his disciples, and we see the exact same things happening with his disciples. After Jesus left the earth and ascended to heaven, the disciples of Jesus were also not authorized by the law to practice healing. Now again, this is where I kind of I'm start. I, I see some of what the writer is saying, and that he's talking about these made up laws of the Pharisees. But I think it's wrong to say that Jesus is a lawbreaker, even in that sense. No, here's what we should be saying. Jesus was an upholder of the law. He came not to destroy it, but to fulfill it in every jot and tittle. And as soon as you say that Jesus is a lawbreaker, what are you saying? You're saying that he's a sinner. And Jesus addressed addressed that too. Which of you can show that I've sinned? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody could show it. So, so this is really, it's really a problem. Now, he gives the illustration here again of the uh, John and um, Peter brought before the Sanhedrin. And they're told not to teach in the name of Jesus. And what do they say? Well, you figure it out yourselves, guys, but we're going to obey God. We're going to obey his law. Okay. So, there are some other things that here. Um, he goes on, and our time's getting short, so I, I just kind of want to hit some of these, these highlights here. And maybe this will make a great transition into tomorrow, okay? So maybe I won't have to spend as much time, because I've got about nine minutes here, and I really want to kind of lead into that, so that maybe I don't have to spend so much time on it tomorrow, and we can move into a context here, Okay. So here's what it says, and this is what the writer says, and the text shows the disciples of Jesus who carried on his healing ministry with the authority of Jesus were not educated men. They sure weren't, but they knew what the law of God was. That's pretty simple. They were common blue-collar workers, many of them fishermen by trade. By resisting the tyrannical authority of their day, they spread the message of Jesus and his power to heal throughout Jerusalem, all Israel, and to the far corners of the earth, and they did do that. In fact, the apostle, the people who say, well, the gospel of the kingdom has to preach to all the earth. Well, wait a minute. Go to the book of Acts and read what Paul says. He said it was preached to every creature under heaven back then. <laughs> I mean, that's what he says. All right? That's what he says. All of the principles in these stories are in place today. We're living in, a, in the age of the new covenant but religion, especially the Christian religion, has robbed the biblical stories of all their power when, in fact, the power and authority of Jesus are just as available to his disciples today as they ever have been. I agree. They are. They absolutely are. We just need to resist the authorities and the dominant culture that recognize them as authorities. I agree with that. He makes uh, several mentions here. He says, Jesus was not a pacifist. He was the resistance. I agree. I don't think pacifism is biblical at all. In fact, we just read from the, the Sixth Commandment. And what happened with the Sixth Commandment? It says we're to make every action to preserve life. And if you go and you see, uh, if, you, if you guys remember the, the story of Sergeant York back from World War I, that was one of the things. His conscience was really against him in the issue of going to war. And he had the guys come in, and he says, well, you believe this Bible right here, right? And what they did was they pointed him to the fact, they said, look, we have all these people who are going to kill other people 
but you can be a means to stop them from killing them. And that's what drove him to understand part of keeping the Sixth Commandment is to protect life. And God used him in a tremendous way. It's pretty incredible. And not only then, but after the war, too. Uh, you really ought to read his biography. It's really good. Me and my boys read it. We took a, a summer, and we were reading that together. The biography of Sergeant York. But in this, the claim that Jesus is a lawbreaker. Now, if I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. If he means he's breaking man's laws that are in contrast to God's law, then I agree. But I think we have to be careful when we say Jesus is a lawbreaker because as soon as you do that and you're not clarifying those kinds of things, then what you run up against is you have no sacrifice for sin. You have no sacrifice for sin. Why? Because Christ was perfect. He was that when we were reading there from Exodus, they were to take a a male, they were to observe it for seven days. He was to be without spot or blemish. He couldn't have, you know, he couldn't be maimed in any way. He couldn't be have any kind of defects. It's kind of interesting. Jesus comes in at the first day of the week, right? He rides into town. Everybody's praising him, Hosanna and this, that, and the other. And they've got seven days. They, they're going to watch him through those times. And then they're going to put him to death. At the same time, they're putting all the other Passover lambs. In fact, that's the last Passover, if you will. I know people still observe that stuff. It's the last one. Okay? Any of this sacrificing, any of this rebuilding of a temple, any of this, you know, coming up with a priesthood, any of this red heifer stuff that you've heard going on in Israel, all of that is from the synagogue of Satan. The writer of Hebrews says, if you're going back to that stuff, there's no sacrifice for you. There's no sacrifice for your sin. He was warning the Jews of his day. If you go back to that, you're not holding on to the reality of what those things had represented. And so now, instead of you honoring God for what he said there, you are going back, you're going to something that's been completed. And you're saying, or as he says in, in the book of Hebrews, he says, you've counted the blood of the Son of God a common thing. You've trampled on it. No thanks. We, we got bulls and goats and sheep and birds and everything else that we can sacrifice. We're good. Don't worry about it. So I want to throw that in. I agree with what he's saying. We should be against. This is why when Bradley's saying, show me the law, show me the law, show me the law, there is no law. Okay? But let's look at what Jesus had to say, because I'm running short on time here. And this will lead us up into what we're going to talk about tomorrow, Lord willing. This is from Matthew 23. And again, this I cited this a minute ago. Verse 2 says, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do ye after their but do ye but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. These are guys that would sit there and let their family members die. Okay? 
because they couldn't heal on the on the they couldn't even these guys even thought you couldn't even stabilize people on the Sabbath. But they'll go take their donkeys out for water, or they'll get them out of the ditch if they fall into the ditch. Now, is that work? No. That's carrying and that's keeping the sixth commandment. It's not that at all. And he says, but all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. Remember that? Those things from Deuteronomy 6, they put on their hands and their foreheads. That's what they end up doing, putting you know parts of the, the law of God in that little parchments and sticking them on there. And they thought, oh, we'll make big phylacteries. Those big boxes and wear them on their heads. And enlarge the borders of the garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi. For one is your master, even Christ, and all your brethren. And call no man your father. So then he comes in, and then he, and this is where he unleashes on them. I'm going to hit this really quick, and we'll kind of touch on it tomorrow. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are going in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer, therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, ye, guide, ye blind guys, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. He comes down a little further. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have to done, and not leave the other undone. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within, full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Let me tell you something. Are you drowning in your sin? Are you drowning in your idolatry? Your adultery? Your stealing? Your murderous heart? Whatever the case may be, there's only one sacrifice for sin. That's the Lord Jesus. Why? Because He is perfect. He kept God's law perfectly. And when He came on the scene... God said of him, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And the son tells you, and he tells me, to repent of our sin, stop sinning, and to follow after him. Are you doing that today? I hope you are. If not, I pray God grants you such repentance, such faith. Bradley be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. See you.